Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we talk about when we're talking about faith. Today, Ed sat down with Nancy Going, Executive Director of Vibrant Faith. Vibrant Faith is a nonprofit which partners with houses of worship to pursue innovation for the church's processes of faith formation. This is great. Hey, Nancy, thank you so much for doing this. I'm just thrilled to be able to have this time with you guys, Ed. It's great. It's fun for me, too. Good stuff. So, Nancy, give us a little bit of background for those who don't know what vibrant faith is. Let's start there. And I want to actually ask it as a two-part question. Um, You know, why didn't you just call it faith? (laughs) Uh, So what is vibrant faith as an organization? And why did you use the word vibrant to uh, qualify it? Yeah, uh, that is that is uh, a really good question. So Vibrant Faith um, works with churches to uh, help them do what we call transformative faith formation. So we um, have seen that um, transforming faith in, in Jesus um, changes people, changes lives, changes the world. And we want churches to lean into that um, kind uh, and level of faith um, as they as they live out their mission wherever they are. Okay. So Vibrant Faith as an organization works with all kinds of churches, uh, as you well know. Um, we probably work have worked with um, are currently working with churches from about probably ten denominations. Okay. Um, we um, we work with churches by doing training and coaching mm-hmm. and. Um, and our goal is to help people to take a few things uh, that are important values more seriously. And um, one of those, that, and this was the original history of Vibrant Faith, is the role of family in the formation of faith that, um, that most adult Christians report family being very important to them in um, in how their faith was formed. And that's a very different thing than um, what usually happens around a church uh, uh, throughout the weekend on Sunday. So it's kind of like the most important thing is happening over here. Yep. And we're spending all our time and energy and money on what's happening over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one big call. And the second is very related to that is Sometimes families can't do that or don't do that well. And we want to help churches to provide familying relationships, um, deep, over time, um, nurturing relationships that are less and less uh, natural in the culture we live in today. Mm-hmm. So we're, um, we're always working to, to help churches take uh, their relationality it's a big word for it, but relationality more seriously. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm assuming by family, we could mean someone who's uh, in a household of one, but who has very close friends in the life of the church. That might be a kind of family configuration all the way to someone who has a multi-generational family living under one roof. Would that be accurate That's to exactly say? Exactly right. All We do not spend any time defining what a family that forms mm-hmm. faith looks like because it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and that's why we call 
the the kind of relationships that we really want to work on, familying relationships, because people understand that depth of connection to one another, um, but don't necessarily have it. And um, and so that's what we want to help churches be able to provide for people, family and relationships. And it sounds like you're using the places where people already have the deepest relationships to form their faith. So that would be with their friends, their close family members, and so on, as opposed to perhaps joining into a program that might happen in a church. They might take a class or a program, but you're looking to kind of infuse the strongest relationships with more faith-enriching activity. Does that sound? Exactly. That's exactly right. Thank you for adding that. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Great. Um, So this is a bit countercultural for the church, right? The church is having to shift um, in terms of the work that Vibrant Faith is doing. You would really like to see the church shift in a sense, right? From what has become the ordinary delivery system of faith formation into something richer, maybe more personal in a sense. Right, right, exactly. Um, we we talk about a, a in this process a move from the head to the heart that we've spent. It, it's not as though heads don't matter, but we spend a lot of time equating faith with information. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we know that the kind of faith that becomes vibrant and is lifelong and um, transformative for people um, is very much a heart process. Yeah. Nancy, you and uh, Vibrant Faith had a really exciting event happen in your lives with the when you received this Lilly Endowment grant recently, which enabled you to really focus a lot of attention on this question of calling. Uh, why did you do that? Why did you reach out to that as uh, you know your next sort of horizon? Yeah. So actually, that was um, that was a real. Um, a moment of truth for us um, as an organization. So um, we did not choose calling. Calling chose us. Uh, Calling a vocation chose us because um, Lily has had this long history of working with primarily at that point, um, uh, colleges and universities around the the theological idea of vocation, and they noticed that it had some real profound traction, both in the um, the life of the institution, but beyond that, in the life of the people, the students, and especially the professors. And so they wanted to come again because calling and vocation are all about how God is active in your daily life. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about uh, God being active in your daily life for a long time, sure. 25 years, as we try to help families take calling or take um, their their role in faith formation seriously. So yeah. we were over here working on this, but we never talked about it as a calling, never. Interesting. And so we, when this whole opportunity came to work with Lily, Lily then decided uh, a couple of years ago that they wanted to use this theme to help churches um, express faith in some new ways. And um, we got connected with them and, uh, and went, huh, this is interesting. And yeah. then as we started exploring the idea even more, we realized that this is a very uh, lost and um, and hijacked uh, theological concept that Christians used to um, have a very strong sense that 
that the things they did in their worlds, whether it was in their family life um, or to their neighbors, or especially in their work life, were all a part of God's callings on them. And we've lost that. Hmm. And we've equated, um, we've, we've equated va- um, uh, vocation with passion. And those aren't the same things. And so being able to, um, to take this idea, tease it apart and see, oh my goodness, we've been talking to parents about uh, taking more responsibility and, and, and jumping in there and knowing that they matter for the faith life of their children. Mm. And they matter profoundly. But we've been doing that without calling parenting a calling Hmm. and when parenting is a calling among other callings in in people's lives but when parenting is a calling it totally changes how you parent and what the end goals are and what you're doing as you're parenting so parenting isn't just about raising good good kids Um, parenting is about following who god created uh, when they gave you this child and um, and helping that child grow up, whether people believe in God or not, helping that child grow up to be all that God created him or her to be. So right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful corrective for us. And we were very grateful. So how many churches, so then you created this initiative, this grant for creating a culture of calling. So how many churches did you involve in that? Yeah, we have 24 churches um, yep. from seven different denominations who are, have agreed um, to work uh, to deeply embed this idea of calling to kind of their life verse, their theme for the next several years. So it's a three-year process and we're in year two mm-hmm. um, with our churches. And um, it's been really fun to see how this big idea of, um, of paying attention to how God is calling in all kinds of areas of our lives and throughout our entire lives, how that big idea changes how churches, uh, how people interact with one another in churches. All of a sudden your story matters as much as what you might know about Jesus. Yeah. I think in churches, you know, we're so often when we plan, let's say adult education opportunities, we think about the speaker we're going to bring or the class we're going to hold or which biblical book we kind of jump right past this notion of, so where do you, what's your story? Where is God already active in the story? And that's really why you're appealing to this family model or friendship model, because that gives you this chance, right? To start asking the question, how's God alive and active in your life? And what is God calling you to do right where you are? Right. Right. Yeah. We see that, um, that this this notion of calling is very much embedded in um, in a process of taking faith and daily life seriously, and that is what we've been about for 25 years. As we've as we've tried to get families to be more um, just to be more aware of the power they have yeah. uh, the formation of faith. Yeah. So, uh, so Leslie and I and, and Dan, you know, we meet every week as a staff to think about what we're going to, how we're going to construct uh, sermon series or musical events. And I think this has had a big impact on us. Wouldn't you say, Leslie, that Absolutely. we're, you know, we're thinking all the time about how we can express this idea of calling through the music we choose and sing and everything. Right? Yeah. It's had a big, big impact on us. Yeah. Um, we're delighted to hear question. that. 
that comes up from time to time when I'm with clergy. So, you know, from within the Christian tradition, the stories that we have about Jesus in particular almost always begin with him calling someone, right? It starts out there and then he tries to, he builds this little community of 12 people and then they do their work and so it flows from there. Um, When I talk with my colleagues, however, um, it seems that as we have somewhat lost or the sense of calling has become eroded over time, we don't talk about it, preach about it and the way we may have in prior generations, the idea that Jesus calls us, that, you know, the Christian life is kind of built around this fascination with what Jesus is compelling us to do, this too has been lost. There's almost a kind of embarrassment about this language. Uh, and I remember years ago, there was an article in the Christian Century magazine that was entitled, Embarrassed by God's Presence. Yeah. And it was a real indictment, in a sense, of how much we had lost that language. Mm-hmm. Um, are you finding, do you find that as you work with churches that we've become almost allergic to Jesus language? Um, yeah, what do you think uh, about that? Completely. And, um, and I think that has really, um, is really had a profound effect on these 24 churches um, because once they, once they became aware that this is a, a, a critical but lost theme of the Christian faith, um, what we keep hearing from them is, oh my goodness, we're seeing calling everywhere. Right. We're seeing it, um, and we're seeing it a lot, even expressed by people who aren't connected to a church or who aren't, um, who aren't, would never said that, say that they were Christian. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it is something that churches have have kind of maybe stepped away from mm. because it was embarrassing. Um, but at the same time, uh, while churches were doing that and not talking about it perhaps, and, you know, perhaps not teaching that, um, the culture has totally, totally picked it up. And mm. so you go into Barnes and Noble and most, uh, uh, there's a, just a huge shelf of books all about finding your, finding your purpose, finding mm-hmm. your and finding your vocation. There's 16 different ways, you know, I don't mean that literally, but of expressing um, what this quest is. And um, and people are profoundly aware of that quest throughout their lives. Mm. Um, It's something that we tend to focus as a culture on, you know, young adults, people in their 20s, finding their, their vocation. But uh, but people are asking that question, what's my purpose now? Um, and what they're not saying is, so how is God calling right. me now? But yeah. they realize that throughout life, it changes. And, um, and when we don't make those transitions and get stuck, um, it, it leads to a lot of, you know, inner, interpersonal struggle. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really significant theme. So yes, while the church has, had has kind of walked away from it, um, the developed culture, an allergic reaction. Yeah. The culture, if you look at the culture, the culture is very, very aware of the import of mm. this big theological idea. And, um, it's just, there's parts of it they don't understand, but sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I had I was at a lecture some years ago and this person said, you know, the church gave birth in a sense to the words mission, 
outreach, evangelism, calling, and then gave them as gifts to the culture and then forgot where they started, stopped using them, you know, so you can say, someone could say, you know, I'm an evangelist for coffee, right? out in the wider culture, if they have a coffee business. But if you say that in the life of the church, uh, especially perhaps in the mainline church, there's a little skittishness around that. Isn't that yeah, fast? Well, We've th- lost I mean, it. look at the big Instagram, uh, the big growth of Instagram and, and people who are hired to be influencers. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and there's just, just very broad use of that term. People don't have any problem with that. And yet, if you would, yeah say I'm an influencer for Jesus. Yeah. The church would find that a, a, a little disconcerting. A little awkward, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're helping us to recover some really precious traditions and right. This sense of a vibrant faith, uh, just as we kind of conclude our conversation, Nancy, uh, what would you say is the one thing that perhaps gives you the greatest amount of inspiration in your work mm-hmm. as you help churches to go through this really, really critical in, uh, period of recovery? Yeah. Um, so for me, because a big part of, of what lays on my heart uh, is, the, is the lack of relationships in our, in our culture today. Um, I think the thing that gives me the greatest joy and inspiration is, is the way that this theological idea of calling and vocation has helped churches become more relational. Because you cannot, you, you have to listen to people's stories. Mm-hmm. You can't, you just can't share the same space and not be interested in one another or only be about this task that we're doing together, right. uh, this ministry task or even worship, you know. So this, uh, this initiative has allowed most of our churches to create space, to listen to one another, to take stories seriously. And now to even um, use that focus to reach out outside of the congregation, uh, their congregations, and listen to the people around them, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's exciting. And that's a whole new frontier, right, for churches, uh, for many churches. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are so grateful that you took time to be with us today. We are very excited to be one of those 24 churches on this vibrant faith project of creating a culture of calling. We're very thankful to you and your colleagues for all the support you've given us and wish you blessings as you go forward. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's been a real treat to have you guys, Ed, and uh, in your congregation with us. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the members and friends of Round Hill Community Church. You can find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and roundhillcommunitychurch.org.